Vision, the vision series, the synopsis is, is that uh, uh, vision uh, stands for a greater future for my life, my church, and my city. My life, my church, and my city. The church part is going to make a lot of sense in about 20 minutes and why it's so important for you to not just say, you guys are doing great, that church is doing great. But if you're a part of a church that's doing great, your language needs to be my church is doing is doing great things. And then your church is called to a city. Um, this specific church is called to 20 cities by the year 2040. And so whenever we talk about vision, we're talking about that. Like, what, what does he mean, vision? Does he just mean vision for my life, my dreams? Yes, yes, the Lord means vision for you. But in about 20 minutes, you're really going to see that one of, you know, the main thing that really matters to the Lord is the church. And so your church is called to 20 cities by 2040. And how can you play a part in that as long as you are planted here? So a greater future for my life, my church, my city. And this has been our kind of running sentence for this series. Going to write this down. God honoring vision, strong faith, and a commitment to action leads to a greater future. God honoring vision, strong faith, and a commitment to action leads to a greater, a greater future. And so this week, I want to dive into this idea of a commitment to action, right? If, if you want to visit God honoring vision and faith, uh, check, check us out the past two weeks on podcasts or YouTube. And um, today we're going to land the plane, and I suspect that next week is going to be super exciting. And uh, commitment. Someone say commitment. commitment. A commitment to action. I, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't know how you win in faith unless you apply it. I, I, don't, I know a lot of Christians that know a lot of scripture. Um, they, they, they have great spiritual gifts. Um, they, you know, they know a lot of Greek and Hebrew, but they, they don't. When I look at them, I, I don't see the fruit of Christ in their lives. I don't see that, that action portion played out too well, you know. One thing I love about Hebrews 11, so if you're new to the Bible, Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. And so um, that's, that's some homework. Go home and read Hebrews chapter 11. If you really want to build your faith, Hebrews chapter 11. And, and there's this phrase in Hebrews 11 that is so powerful. And it, it's, it, it's this, it, it states, it was by faith that, right? When you really start studying your Bible, you, you stop on small things, right? Because when you're really reading the Bible, you're not just saying, okay, I got to knock out my chapter today. Now, like when you're really reading it, sometimes the Holy Spirit will stop you on some of the most uh, craziest nuances in scripture and just speak to you in that gray spot. And it says, 14 times in one chapter. Um, it was by faith that. Or if you add a variable of it was by faith that, um, sometimes it, it just says it was by faith. And then it will. Con so it's, it's between 14 and like 20 times or so in one chapter. Whenever God is emphasizing something, you really want to lean into that. And, uh, you know, it was by faith to me. You know, I, I know these things because, you know, I'm in the scripture it says, uh, it was by faith that Moses led two million people across the Red Sea on dry ground. 
it was by faith. It doesn't say this in Hebrews 11, but once again, when you read the Bible, you start to connect these stories. Um, once again, it was, uh, I'll put it, it was by faith that David confronted Goliath. And, and it, was a, it was a disadvantage. It was a disadvantage. Goliath was a champion. Goliath had been fighting since the day David was born. Goliath was an expert warrior. You know, David only had some smooth stones, and he was skinny and, and small, and he had never fought in a war in a battle in his life. Yeah. But the way, I, the way I fill in the blank is it was by faith that David confronted Goliath. Yeah. Um, how about this? I was talking to my baby about this last night. He's always, he asked me, he said, Daddy, what is your message about tomorrow? And I'm like, he either really cares or he's trying to stay up later. Um, but I will, I will oblige. And, and so let's talk about this because I love talking about the Bible. So who better than what your baby? And so we talked about um, um, what this message was about. And he tried to follow my train of thought. He said, I'll just sit in tomorrow. And so, but it doesn't say this in Hebrews 11, but when you, when you look at the story, it was by faith that Peter walked on water, right? So faith isn't this idea of, well, I'm going to sit here. God's going to do it all. You know, Goliath has been hurling insults. The devil's been saying, you can't, you won't, you'll never be free. You'll never excel. You'll never go to the next level. You know, well, God, God will do it all. No, like faith, faith is a means by which that we actually, we actually get up and do something. Right. Right. And and I'll say it again later in the message. But faith uh, action is here. It is faith in motion. Action is faith in motion. And and so the Bible greats were committed. You need to write this down. They were committed to action. And what I do know is if if it concerns anything about your future being greater, anything about more freedom, more liberty, more of the power and, and the abundance of God's blessing on your life, what I do know is, is this, is that you cannot afford to play it safe. You cannot afford to sit on your butt. You cannot afford to entertain the same bad habits, the same unhealthy relationships. You just, all of that is playing it safe. You, you can't afford, oh, well, we're making it. We're making good money. We're living good. You cannot afford. Solomon says that wealth, wealth can grow wings and fly away like you never had it. So, so even people who are doing well and you're on a mountaintop right now, you cannot afford to play it safe because in a moment it can all be taken away. So whenever it comes to a greater future, more peace, more joy, more impact, more wisdom, more strength, you, you, you may want to look around when you find yourself getting a little bit too comfortable. And you may want to do some self-check and say, something wrong. Things are going too good right now. Right? Or if things are going bad, you're in good shape. Because you, the perfect opportunity to apply your faith. Perfect opportunity to get up and do something with your faith. And so I just want to talk about three ways to avoid playing it safe. Three ways to avoid playing it safe as we prepare for next Sunday. <laughs> Number one is vision. Or you can put dream. You got to dream. 
What is a vision? What is a dream? Let's pull out of the super deep spiritual and let's just give it some language. Go ahead and write this down. It won't come up on the screen. A vision or a dream is an aspiration. I love this. That the Lord places on your heart. It's an aspiration that the Lord places on your heart. You got a dream. You got a dream. I was just on a Zoom call Thursday with, with, with one of my pastors and he said, guys, dream big. He said, right now, America needs pastors who are dreaming big. Don't go small. The, the church can't afford for you to go small, right? And don't be afraid to lead them into bigger places. Don't, don't be afraid to challenge them to dream for their lives, right? You, you got to dream. What does that mean? Dream. You have to dream big about your health. You got to dream big and have vision for your relationships. You, you got to have vision for your finances, you, you got to see those things grow. You got to have vision and dreams for, for the impact and the legacy that you want to live when the Lord calls you home. Right. You, you just someone say dream. dream. You, you got to have vision. That's one of the greatest ways to avoid playing it safe is is to sit down and assess your life and assess where you can be in a year or two or five or ten. If you really apply your faith, if you really committed your life to action, you, you, you got a dream. I was in my prayer time. Um. I think it was between Monday or Tuesday or so, I was, I was in prayer, and I was just, you know, there was one of those silent moments where when you're in prayer, you got to learn how to listen for the Lord. You don't just speak and move. And, and the Lord, <laughs> the Lord began to bring into, into my spiritual sight the, the 20 locations. And... And, and the thousands of people that were going to be attending all of these locations across Maryland. Because a lot of times the Lord will give you a vision and life hits. And you, you still believe in it, but you don't proactively like dream it. You don't seek it. You don't think about it. You're just like, well, one day when maybe. And that's dangerous for God to give you something so great and you mishandle something from heaven. And so I was in prayer, and it, I don't know, but it arrested me a little bit. I, it, it stopped me because I was going to do something else, but it stopped me. And what hit my heart was, I'm like, I doubted it. Wow. And so in my spirit, I doubted it. The Holy Spirit confronted me, and he said, why not you? Wow. And why not highlight? And then he said this, no church has ever done this in the history of the state of Maryland, and I want to do it through you. And, and it's those impossibilities that by faith you latch on to. And then you make a determination in your heart. I can't play it safe. Brandon, honestly, bro, like we could close the doors right now. And I would be good for the rest of my life. My wife would be good. We, we, we could, we, no more people come. Just the members we have right now, we're good. Like, I'm good. Like, we're, we can settle right here. Everything's good. This is everything I ever dreamed of. But that's not the Holy Spirit. Right. God is always, like, pulling us and, and tugging us to, to dream more and to dream bigger. And he said this. He said, why not? And I think that's what the Holy Spirit is asking you in this season. Why not? Why not your family? Why not your children? Why not your life? Why not? I know you've met some challenges and some setbacks, and, and it, looks, it looks, you know, dark, but, but why, why can't God do that in your right. life? Amen. Why, why not? And, and, 
when you're dreaming, it helps you avoid playing it safe. Because when you're not dreaming, you, you're just maintaining. You're maintaining. You ever notice that? There's no momentum. You're just going to work. You're just going home. You just can't wait till you get in your bed. There's no planning. There's no strategy. There's no, you, you're just maintaining. But a good old dream will help you. Jesus said this, Mark 9. He said, all things are possible for one who believes. I can't play it safe. When the Lord gives you a great vision or a big dream, don't play it safe. Don't stop praying for the thing you're believing for. You know, you've been praying for something for three years. It has to happen. You know what you're doing now? You're playing it safe because you're not praying. Right. You've been hustling so hard for something for a decade and it still hasn't happened. You fold it. You know what you're doing? You're playing it safe. God is saying this morning, dream again. Dream again. As long as there's breath. Come on. Can we celebrate this a little bit? Let's celebrate. You need to dream again. I, I just don't see it in the Bible. I don't, I, I don't hear this. I don't see how David becomes the greatest king without confronting Goliath. Wow. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. You got to dream. Number two, the second thing, second way to, to not play it safe is to uh, make decisions. Decisions. So vision, then decisions. Oh. Indecisiveness is a plague in our current society. It is the killer of destiny. And, and there's so many Christians struggling with indecisiveness. There are too many people living in limbo. And we're not making decisions. Someone say decisions. We're, we're just allowing life to kind of put us. Y'all know that ride I hate? Y'all don't know the ride I hate. I never shared it with you. <laughs> It's that teacup ride at the fair or at uh, Disney or Universal or Islands of Adventure. It's that teacup ride. That sucker make you dizzy and nauseous. And I don't know when that happened. It hit like around 33, 34. Like I can't do roller coasters like I used to do. But, but that's what indecisiveness does to you, to your soul. It, it just like, Right? And so, like, I, 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 I'll, I'll give you a sign. If you're struggling with, 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 like, fog and depression and a lack of clarity, it's because you've been indecisive. You're not sad. You're indecisive. You're not ineffective. You're indecisive. And, and you've allowed the, the teacup to just keep you in a spiritual nauseated state. And you've accepted that as normal. Like you won't decide on school. You won't decide on any of these things. And, and, and you're playing it safe. Although you don't like where you are. So one of the ways to avoid playing it safe is to be a decisive. Someone say decisive. Decisive, Dis decisive person. Right. I, I, I remember I'm, I'm dating a single mother. So here's the Holy Spirit. All right. That's enough. It's enough all this chilling, Netflix and chill. It's enough all this spending the night. You're sinning. You ain't doing right. You ain't doing right. He was heavy on me. He said, are you going to marry her or not? That's what the Lord will do. When he's trying to move your life forward, he'll call you to make some decisions. And what we typically do is we don't answer the call. We're, no, beep. I'm going to keep doing what I do. I'm going to keep, you know, beep. and that's the Lord. And. 
And so I had to make a decision. I'm, I'm going to propose, right? Jaziel, uh, he's not yours biologically. What's your decision? Either you're going to father him or you're not, right? A lot of men like to stay in limbo because they only want to sleep with the woman. Decision, bad decision, unhealthy decision, a decision that they're going to pay for later in life. Mm. So I need to make a decision about this child who is not biologically mine. Once I make the decision, the Lord will release the grace. I had to make a decision when the Lord said, you're going to move to Maryland and start a church. Uh, I'm sitting on a couch in Florida. I'm sitting on a couch in Florida. Do, do I? Oh, that is, that's wonderful. That gives me good vibes, good feels. Vibes was, wasn't even a term back then, but I was prophetically. That gives me good vibes. Speaking in the 2020s. But I had to what? Make, make a decision, right? So decisions will, will help you to stop playing it safe. Here's a few key life decisions, okay? Number one, some of you may need to make a decision about, number one, the Lord the Lord. I, I feel like there are some, some believers, you're backsliding into sin. There, there are some unbelievers, you're here for a reason. You're, you're searching for something. You need to make some decisions about the Lord. Uh, the second key decision in life is your health. Some decisions about your health, your habits, these are life key life decisions. Number three, your relationships. Your relationships. Believe it or not, your relationship, I put it, I put it in the middle because your relationships dictate your future. Yes. You've heard it before. You are the average of the five people you hang around. Yes. How they speak, what they think about all the time. You will be where they are. So you need to make some decisions. I would encourage you, don't carry some of the same relationships into the new year and expect different results. You need to make some. Uh, number four, your finances. Key life decision. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about that debt? What are you going to do about your credit? What are you going to do about tithing, putting God first in your finance? These are, key, these are key life decisions. The reason I'm telling you this is because if you get these decisions right, you'll begin to turn the dial of life in your favor. You'll see the favor of God begin to rest on your life. If you make key decisions, and then here it is, the church. Oh, here we go. Key life decision. Let's take the last 10 minutes and unpack this. This is key don't play it. Here it is. Don't play it safe with your church. When you found a church where you're growing and you're being fed and, and your life has been changed, don't play it safe, right? G get your hands dirty. Get in the game, right? D don't play it safe. Jesus said this, Matthew 16, 18. He said, upon this rock, meaning the earth, he here it is, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So what is the church? Here it is. The church, if you're taking notes, is, is it means called out ones who gather in the name of Jesus. So the church means called out ones who gather in the name of Jesus. And it is the body of believers. Whenever I read this verse, 
I do not read in the text where Jesus is saying, I'm building your business. He cares about it. He's blessing it. I, I don't see, watch me, here it is. <laughs> Jesus does not say, I'm building your family. He cares about it. He's working in it. His hand is on your family. Right? He is not saying, I'm, I'm building, right? He, he, because why? why? Why, Pastor? It's because all those things are temporal. Yes. And if they're not serving, here it is, hear my heart. If they're not serving the kingdom, those things, here it is, don't matter as much as the church in the eyes of Christ. He says, I build my church because it is the only thing that hell cannot conquer. It is, it is the only thing. So what are you saying, God? What, what, you're saying hell can conquer my family? It sure can. The word hell just simply means separation. Hell's been dividing families since Adam and Eve. Hell can take a company down. Hell can take a marriage down. Hell can take anything down but the church. So I need to make some key to Am I planet and am I a part of and am I rooted in a healthy church? Because if I am, there's the protection of Christ over my life. He can separate any, the, the, the devil can separate anything else but the church. And then he, actually, he says this here. This is so good. Jesus says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So, so he's saying that all things matter. But what matters the most, someone say the most, most, is the kingdom of God. And then he said this, if you would seek it first, everything you're praying for and everything you need, here it is, watch this, and you don't even know this, everything you want starts with putting the kingdom, the church in the center of your life. What we do is we say this, the church is getting in my way. Oh, it breaks my heart because I'm like, Jesus, do they not read what you said? No pastor came up with this. I didn't come up with this. I don't, I don't love highlight more than Jesus. I don't love the other churches in the city more than Jesus, right? The, the Lord said, if you would seek it first, if you would make it the center, we we're talking about this at men development, right? Chuck, it's, it's, it's like a lot of people say, well, if I have to go to church, if I have to do the church and, and when Christ created the church, he meant for it to be the church, the center of your life. And from that place, everything else thrive, right? So th there has to be a way that you prioritize. Someone say prioritize. And you decide that the most important thing I can build in the world is the kingdom of God upon this rock. Right? Sometimes when we're having problems in our marriage, we tend to forget God didn't put us together for each other. He didn't. Kyra's going to be my sister in heaven. We hold on to our spouses like we're God. Like we died for them, like they died for us. We hold on to our children as if, especially them big headed boys, we hold on to them as if they're not gonna get married one day and leave the house. Them girls, they gone. You get what I'm saying? So Jesus is saying like, you gotta stop idolizing these things that don't matter. 
that's actually, come on out, that's actually taking away. And I, honestly, I don't have a dog in the fight. I'm, I'm just a servant. Honestly, this stuff gives me knots in my stomachs to talk about because I know human depravity. It's like, well, you would say that. You're a pastor. No, I, I felt this way about the church before I even knew I would become a pastor. Why? Why? Because I read it. And it's because it's what Jesus wants. <laughs> you don't have to be a pastor to want what the Lord wants. Can we put our hands together? You don't. You just be a believer. And you. Wow. Number three, the third way, and then we're going to land is action. Vision, decision, and action. These are the three ways to avoid playing it safe. Remember this. Go ahead and write this down. It won't come up. Action is faith in motion. And, and there's a need for us to prove our belief in God through our actions. There, there's a need. Time, times have passed where people can say, I believe in the Lord, but you don't, you don't show any, <laughs> any evidence, any tangible evidence any tangible evidence that you, you really believe in the Lord. And I'm not talking about sitting in a seat on a Sunday. I'm talking about showing that you believe in the Lord. I love this story in John chapter 12. Um, John chapter 12. Uh, there's a gentleman named Lazarus who the Lord had raised from the dead. And Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. It is, um, it is assumed that Lazarus was a pretty wealthy individual. He was also one of Christ's best friends. So when Lazarus got sick, um, the Bible says that they, they told Christ and the Lord waited. They said he is deathly ill, so Jesus waited. And then the Bible says he died. And... It had been three days, then it had been four days. Jesus finally went to see the body because there was a belief in this time and in this area that the spirit still hovered over the person's body three days after death. So Christ waited to pretty much um, invalidate that. or he, he waited to day four because he didn't want to do any hocus pocus stuff. And then New Age gets the glory and God doesn't. And so... He said, I'm going to wait, wait four days because I'm God. And, and so he showed up and everyone in town is crying and they're weeping. The Bible says the shortest verse in your scriptures, Jesus wept. He cried because he had compassion for the people and he loved Lazarus. And then so he, he raises Lazarus from the dead. And in celebration of all that Christ did, uh, Mary and Martha host a dinner. And it's, it's a little bit before Jesus goes to the cross and he's crucified for our sins. But it says this here. John chapter 12 says this. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus's honor. Martha served and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. 
Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied in conclusion, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. I think Jesus was speaking into the future of those Christians who would rather give to the poor instead of the church. <laughs> he, was, he was saying, look, look, you can feed them a meal for the holidays and for Christmas and for Thanksgiving. And if they don't accept me, you're going to be feeding them again next year. He was bringing them back to the priority. I love it when, when Peter, if you ever read the book of Acts, Peter, Peter's going to the temple to pray. There's a guy there who's asking for, for money. And, 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 and Peter says, uh, silver and gold I have not, but what I do have, I'll give it to you. And he said, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. So I get it. This is the generous season, right? Giving Tuesday. It's December. Like, it's like, I'll give 3% to my church, and I'm going to give 1% to the Red Cross, and I'm going to give 2% to the missions. I'm going to give. No, 10% belongs to God. Yes. However, someone say however. however. We don't see 10% here. Judas is accurate in his assessment. Judas just said that it was a year's wage. And so, and so I backed up a little bit, and I'm like, well, well how much do I make? <laughs> and it's like, uh, I don't know about that, Lord. I don't know if I got the heart of Mary next week or the heart of Judas next week. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm going to be praying. But, I mean, just, just think about that. Like, because he said, she, she's prepared me for my burial. This is, this is essential because here it is. Christ was sinless. This is vital. Here it is. No death of Christ, no forgiveness of sin, no heaven. No death, no forgiveness, no heaven. And so in her eyes, in her eyes, a year's wages was not even enough. But here it is. This is key as we prepare for next week. But it was all she had to give. A year's wages. And then this is good, too, because in the Old Testament, once a year, once a year, you were to purchase the best sacrifice. Someone say sacrifice. sacrifice. The best sacrifice. Bring it to the priest for the atonement and the forgiveness of your sins. That sacrifice was expensive. And you brought your best sacrifice to the designated place of worship where God has called you to worship, right? So you see some, some foreshadowing of the Old Testament fulfillment of Moses' law all within this verse. As a matter of fact, part of the reason why this was such an expensive offering was because Lazarus was at the table. So there was a past pain that the Lord had healed that she was also saying, I believe you for my future salvation, but here it is next week. I'm also thanking you for all the miracles you did this year. That's right. 
Someone say action. action. So the vision offering next Sunday, as you pray and as you prep, and as the Holy Spirit puts a number and an amount on your heart, because we, my wife and I, we've had some passing talks. We really got to have our deep talk this week about it. I have a number, and we're going to pray, and we're going to talk, and we're going to discuss. But the Lord wanted me to, to kind of, I don't know if it's an encouragement. I don't even know how to put it. He wanted me to relay this to you. There it is. Um, as you're processing this week, the amount you're bringing in the form of worship, do I have the heart of Mary or do I have the heart of Judas? Right? Because Mary was pushing the gospel out into the world. Ma Mary, because in, in other translations, Jesus says, this deed that this woman did will be remembered and discussed whenever the good news is preached. So, so he was saying that this is a vision offering. Right. This is the gospel getting out into the world. My death, like and upon people knowing that I died for them, that's going to change. Hey, let me, riddle me this. What if Christ never died for you? Mm. What if, oh, Lord, it breaks my heart to think about where my life would be. If, if, if someone never shared the gospel with me, Tallahassee in 2006. I, that's a scary thing. Thank God for Mary, someone who had the wherewithal to anoint our Savior, to bring that offering. So here it is, so that, here's vision, so that more people can hear it. So why are we bringing the offering next week? So that more people, so that, so that, come on now, so that more people. Am I, am I pushing the vision forward or Judas? Am I limiting the vision? And then what you want to do is you want to have faith in that larger amount, because if it hurts, that's what the Lord is calling you to do. I'm not trying to pull your arm. I've always said this. We don't need money. All the bills are paid. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get us to move the vision forward. There, there's someone out there crying for a church, right? There's someone out there who, who they're, they're right, right? That seat that you sat in, that, that seat right there, when you were church homeless, someone paid for that seat you sit in right now. Someone prayed for that seat. Even my seasoned Christians, you were seasoned, but you were homeless because God had called you to leave that church. So we need to have some sensibility that, that there are people I've heard so, man, there was a, a superhero last week, a new guest last week, and my, my father-in-law met a coworker this week who's like, I, I can't wait on, on the Frederick location. I can't wait on it. My, my, my father-in-law was inviting someone to church. That person was like, oh, Gaithersburg is a stretch. But, but if it was closer, right, we got to be thinking about those people, right? Th those, every time I get off of exit 54 in Frederick, there's always, there's always someone, a heroin addict or a young, man, a young man in his 20s. And I'm like, man, if I had a card, I'd invite you. We're 10 minutes up the street. I'll get someone to pick you up. But I'm thinking about those people. Who without Christ, if they died, they'd go to hell. So thank God for Mary's example. He said, leave her alone. She's preparing me for my burial. And my burial is for the entire world. It's for, it's for future believers. Let me ask you a few questions and I'll close it. Has Christ saved you? 
Has Christ healed you? Is he working in your life? So next week, we, we have the opportunity to thank him and to make room for more people to experience Christ. And it's going to be a good old celebration next week. I, I promise you, it's going to be good.